Hi, David. Well, we're halfway through 2021 and it's an opportunity to take stock of the year so far. Hello, Alex. Yeah, I mean, investors have embraced a strong global economic recovery. Uh, vaccines are providing light at the end of the COVID-19 tunnel. You have fiscal monetary support uh, remains very growth friendly. Um, you know, risky assets have uh, posted strong returns uh, so far this year. Uh, equities are up sort of mid-teens. Uh, credit spreads are at multi-year lows. High yield has outperformed investment grade, while core fixed income, safe government bonds are in the red. But the recovery and reflation theme that dominated financial markets in the first quarter certainly faded in the second Um so after you know increasing sharply in the first months of the year on the back of you know rising US and global growth and inflation expectations US treasury yields you know fallen quite sharply in the second quarter uh, the yield on the 10 year treasury note is some 40 basis points below its peak at the end of March uh, the treasury yield curve has flattened we've seen some uh, you know rebound in the relative performance of uh, longer duration assets, uh, long duration growth assets such as, you know, tech stocks and, and of US assets more broadly. And why have Treasury yields been falling? Well, as listeners of this podcast will know, I have been caught offside by the move lower in Treasury yields. And, and you know, this has happened despite inflation you know, proving higher and stickier, as, as we had uh, uh, predicted. Yeah, I, I think consensual short positioning in US rates, um, momentum driven trading, uh, excess liquidity from ongoing QE. We also saw some uh, rebalancing into bonds by US pension funds. I think that's all contributed to the sort of pace of the move lower in Treasury yields. But I think the move overall is too big to be solely technical. And as I was alluding to, before, I think some of the cross asset market moves, so this sort of rotation back into growth and defensives, um, some recent outperformance of large over small cap stocks, um, stronger US dollar, flattening of the yield curve. I, I think that suggests that the market is also, you know, repricing the outlook for global growth. Um, Credit markets have actually been pretty stable, um, certainly not signaling any, you know, pickup in uh, recession or credit risk. But, you know, unlike equities, credit is um, you know, less sensitive to accelerating growth and, and earnings and so can generate uh, positive returns in a low growth and low rates world. So, you know, returning to the bond market, I think it's, you know, the, the, the move lower in yields is, is really reflecting a view that, not only is higher inflation uh, transitory, but so is you know stronger growth, and that um, you know the, the the world is going to return to a sort of pre-pandemic uh, environment of anemic growth, low inflation, and low rates. Now, you know, I think that's too pessimistic because the growth-friendly shift in fiscal policy will, I think, prove durable. Um, private as well as public investment is uh, on, on, on the rise. But even if we did return to a sort of secular stagnation 2.0, US real rates over the medium term implied by current Treasury yields are around 100 basis points below their pre-pandemic level. So, you know, I think 
the, the this market pessimism on the medium term outlook, you know, the flattening of the Treasury curve, uh, you know, it's also associated with the Fed meeting in June, which I know we also discussed at a previous in a, in a previous podcast. I think the market has come to the conclusion that the move forward in the dots, so the the interest rate expectations of the uh, members of the Fed, as a you know hawkish pivot. So it removed the right tail of much higher inflation over the medium term. But I think the market is now also factoring in some risk of a policy mistake by the Fed that it tightens too early in response to transitory inflation and hence longer NGOs have uh, moved lower. So we've been in the situation where even as inflation has been going higher and exceeding uh, consensus forecasts, Treasury yields and medium term Fed rate expectations have actually been uh, moving lower. So paradoxically, I I think a shift to a more Dovey's perception of the Fed would actually lead to um, a steeper uh, yield curve. But yeah, in summary, you know, I think the market is too pessimistic in pricing a return to uh, you know, secular stagnation, too complacent on inflation. And at one and a half percent, it's underpricing the peak in Fed policy rates in this cycle. You suggest that the market is underpricing the Fed, but what about the outlook for European rates and the ECB? We've set out why, you know, previously why investors, I think, were too pessimistic on the near-term growth outlook for Europe, considering, you know, the pace of vaccine uh, catch-up, uh, the gains from reopening and the release of pent-up demanders, as well as actually ongoing fiscal support, notably from the European Recovery Fund, which really does start kicking in towards the end of the year and into um, 2022. All that said, there is greater slack in the European economy than in the US. Low inflation expectations are more sort of deeply embedded. I I still think Europe is in a liquidity trap. But I I nonetheless do think that the direction of travel is for modestly higher core government bond yields and a steeper curve in Europe. Um, We also had very recently the conclusion of the ECB's strategy review, which, in my opinion, was was, was a missed opportunity. Um, They have uh, changed their target from uh, for inflation from sort of, you know, near two percent to formally two percent target. Um, with a more explicit commitment to allowing overshoots as well as undershoots, so a greater degree of um, symmetry around that 2% target. And I, th- and I think that is a step in the right direction. But you know, greater clarity does not make reaching the target any more likely. Um, and unlike the Fed's average inflation target regime, the ECB is not explicitly committing to a period of inflation overshooting its target to make up for past shortfall. So I certainly think it's a less meaningful shift than we had from the Fed last year. Now, at, at the margin, I think, you know, the outcome of the ECB strategy review is dovish. Um, you know, I do expect the ECB to offset the end of asset purchases under the PET programme with an increase in bond purchases under the uh, sort of broader uh, QE programme that it, that it has. Um, one noteworthy aspect also to highlight of the ECB strategy review is um, a commitment to include climate change considerations in its monetary policy strategy. Now, they've not actually set out how that would work in practice and what the implications will be. 
Um, but but clearly, um, you know, climate change is is becoming a, a, an important issue for um, the ECB, and I think the ECB is going to look to. Um, if you like, green its uh, corporate bond portfolio. And I think that could lead to, you know, some uh, dispersion, bit of repricing in European credit markets. You know, the ECB is going to be favouring borrowers that meet EU standards and guidelines for um, carbon reduction. So certainly something which I, I, I think is important for investors to, uh, to, to watch for. And finally today, David, looking ahead, what do you think will be the key issues and themes for the second half? Famous last words, but I think the near-term market outlook is one that's likely to be characterised by low volatility. After the recent moves we've had in government bond yields, I think they are going to be relatively stable at at these levels in the near term. I, I think risky assets are probably going to grind higher if for no other reason than the weight of money that continues to come into the market. So I think it's going to be an environment that's going to be conducive to carry. So that's, you know, coupon clipping rather than price appreciation in credit. But as the Northern Hemisphere summer comes to an end, I think that the debate as to whether higher inflation, you know, especially in the US, but it's not exclusive to the US, is transitory or not, will return to the fore. And markets will, you know, become even more focused on when and how fast the Fed and will taper its $120 billion per month bond buying program. Uh, we just published a research note on the outlook for the US labor market that forecasts the unemployment rate dropping faster than the Fed and market consensus and, and actually reaching a half century low of, of near 3% by the end of um, 2022. So, you know, we do think that there's less slack in the labour market than the headline numbers suggest, that wage pressures will become more evident, um, supply disruptions are likely to persist for some time. So, you know, we continue to think that inflation will uh, be higher and stickier than uh, most expect. And if, you know, inflation, uh, employment data over coming months and, and through the remainder of this year continue to you know, surprise to uh, the, the the upside, then I think the market is going to have to reassess its expectations, not only for Fed tapering of its bond purchases, but also for the path of Fed uh, policy interest rates. I think the key question then facing investors is whether, you know, markets will absorb higher rates or you know, experience a correction, maybe, you know, worried by the implications of reduced Fed liquidity, um, fearful that higher rates will weigh on growth into 2022 and and, and beyond. Um, I'm not actually particularly worried of a repeat of the 2013 taper tantrum from uh, an emerging market perspective. Uh, Emerging markets, uh, external uh, finances are much stronger than they were in 2013. Most are running much smaller deficits or even current account surpluses. Um, for want of a better term, there's much less in the way of sort of hot tourist money in the asset class. And local bond markets and currencies have, have actually already priced in tight uh, US financial conditions. I, I, I think for risk assets more broadly, though, there's less in the way of risk premium to absorb greater volatility in US rates. Um, I do think that the withdrawal of the comfort blanket of Fed asset purchases you know, will lead at least to some uh, increase in volatility around that time. 
Um, and, and there's also some other downside risks that we have to be aware of. You know, again, in the last podcast, we highlighted the emergence of the Delta variant of COVID. It still does represent a you know, downside risk to the growth outlook, especially for countries with low vaccination rates. Um, China recently cut its bank reserve requirements by 50 basis points, you know, and there are concerns around tightening liquidity and deleveraging pressures, especially in the China real estate sector. That said, the latest raft of economic data has actually been pretty solid. That is our base case for the um, Chinese economy, but it always warrants close um, attention. So, you know, just to conclude, I I think we'll have a sort of period of quiet as we normally do during the sort of uh, summer. Um, But I think markets in the second half of the year will be dominated by the path of US employment and inflation and the implications, therefore, for the Fed uh, monetary policy. Broadly speaking, I still think it's a positive macro backdrop for risky assets, but the gains are going to be much more moderate than in the first half of the year. And I I think markets will be choppier um, as, as, as well. Thanks for your time today, David, and speak with you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued by Blue Bay or one of its entities. Please check the entire Blue Bay disclaimer at the following website, www.bluebay.com forward slash podcast disclaimer. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended, nor should it be intended as investment, tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This podcast is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Bluebay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Bluebay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Bluebay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. The document is intended only for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive or in the US by accredited investors as defined by the Securities Act of 1933 or qualified purchases as defined in the Investment Company Act of 1940 as applicable and should not be relied upon by any other category of consumer. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person, published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay or one of its entities. Copyright 2021.